Alright. Alhamdulillah wa kafah. Wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulihil mustafa. Wa ala ibadihi ladhina artada. Wa man bihudahu mihtada. Wa bi athari ahlil madina taqtafa. Wa ba'ad. Fasalamullahi ala alqawm. Ahlan wa sahlan bikum wa marhaban. Juan Ying Lite, bienvenidos a todos. Pajer Ragle, Hushamadid, and Swagatam people, Swagatam. All right, we is live, people. We is live. So, what is going on? Let me get me Facebook gente. Where are you? All right, here you are, people. Check this out. Alright, there we are. Fraudy Frobbery, Claire, Jawad, Ahlan wa Sahlan, Ahlan wa Sahlan, Ay, Mufti Sahib, Abka Karen, Janta ki demand, Janta ki demand. Karna Parta hai Sahib, you kept. You know what it is? I, I'm. I'm still kind of learning on all of this. So I've been sitting here for over an hour now. <laughs> I must have sat down here at probably about 10 past 10, quarter past 10, and I've been loading this up. <laughs> and then one thing after another. So hopefully as I get better and better at this, it will be just swift. It's actually quite straightforward, but the, I mean, once you know it, of course, but uh, the only thing is that, let me see what is going on. Where is the, right, so I see we don't have, I was trying to see if we had the YouTube uh, chat as well, which we ought to have, <laughs> but it looks like I've, uh, <laughs> they've been, Cancelled out this time the YouTube people. Let's see if I can get their chats up here Hmm Right so Is it let me just see Let me pop this out mm -hmm. So I'm just going to Just one moment people I'm just seeing if this is working, that's all. So, alright. So, I'm just putting this on to the YouTube thing. So, right, un momento, un momentico, people, just, just a moment. So now I can see here, sorry, wrong one again, right, come on, there you go, right, mm-hmm, it hasn't come through, but you see, I feel like one of those now super hacker geniuses now, <laughs> by just resetting a modem. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh no, 
Anyway, well, what can we say? We tried. <laughs> oh, well, it was good whilst it lasted. What's this? What's your take on the immigration bill in India? Yes, Farhan, I want to actually speak about that. So, I've got that on my... It's part of the the discussion. Discussion. Yeah, I'm still figuring this stuff out, you know. This is... Shaib's asking, are you still figuring out this kind of stuff? I am, unfortunately. You know, it's... It's... Uh, it's quite a gadget, really, but nope. Right, so it's just 30 seconds. If it doesn't, if it's not working, it's not working. We're just carrying on with, uh, let me just restore this here. And What I was doing, for those of you that are wondering what I'm doing, is I'm just putting, those of you that are familiar with OBS Studio, I'm just putting the the URL back in for the chat. Now, let me say it like that, it makes me sound more sophisticated. <laughs> right, so, and then... And then what on earth am I doing? Why is it taking that long? Good so much This thing, you know, it just <laughs> it's doing my head. But alhamdulillah. Aha. Let's see if this makes a difference now. Even if it doesn't, well we're gonna resume. Just copying this. This is from the chat website. Uh, you've got to see the problem with using this software is everything's kind of got to be encoded. So I know it makes me sound super cool and intelligent when I say things like that. <laughs> but the truth is, it's a you know for people who are not uh, people who are not uh kind of geeks <laughs> it geeks unfortunately it's quite a mission anyway we'll leave out the youtube people for today i can't seem to figure out i'll have to muck about with this again um once we get an opportunity nevertheless let's move on people <laughs> i'll master it of course this is only my second earring do you know what had happened i'll share this with you guys I was trying to figure out how to get the Facebook chat as you can see right now it's it's on the uh, it's on on the screen so last week I had the YouTube one there and I was trying to the YouTube one is actually quite easy <laughs> although today it's not working <laughs> irony but uh, last week I couldn't get the Facebook one so none of these platforms see these platforms are originally designed for gamers and that I'm using 
so they're not really designed for people to do things like like what I'm doing. Gen I mean, they are designed for it, but nobody, you know, seldom people do like Q and A's and things like this with them. So they integrated well into certain platforms like YouTube and Twitch and all of these. But when it comes to Facebook, they're still quite new. So they've only recently allowed certain things. So the Facebook chat was Im almost impossible to integrate. So I was, I spent literally last night five hours, you know, I sat down at midnight and it took me till 5 a.m. And, and then I cracked it, honestly, it took me that long. I, I was following all these tutorials, Googling how to, how to embed it, how to get the chat overlay. And it's easy for the other platforms, but like I'm saying for, and people have got all these kind of, you've got to copy this HTML code, you've got to get this API key, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And I'm following all the instructions like a retard. <laughs> and it's not working. I'm like, pasando? <laughs> so eventually, just before I, I actually despaired and thought this ain't going to happen. So just as I thought that, I figured it out. Allah. See, just to remind us that La Ta'asu Allah. You know, La Taqnatu. Do not despair, as the verse of the Quran says. So we can't kind of give up ever from the mercy of God. And yep, so Alhamdulillah, just as I did that, I figured it out. The reason I wanted the, the Facebook chat more so was because obviously I'm familiar with all the, with all of you guys, my Facebook familia, <laughs> whereas YouTube is just any person just jumping on there and I've got no idea, I don't really, you know, they, they could be anybody, anything, I don't really know them, so it's it's not the same, you know, the same flow, it's not the same flow, some jackaro, some jackaro, right, <clears throat> so, what is going on, mi gente? What is going on? So, you see the style. <laughs> this I'm gonna. I've got to set this up even further. Yet I've got. I've got this whole bloody thing to fix. Right? Where's the DIY people when you need them? Right? So I've got to do that after this show, and then I've got to set this whole thing because I've got a whole new setup here. You see, obviously you guys can't see it. This is behind the screen. You know, the screen, the screen. <laughs> so, yeah. But inshallah, it's a great sign of many great things to come. All right. So, peoples, peoples. Right now. What are we looking at? What are we looking at? So first of all, let's take a look at, I'm going to, <laughs> I've gone into the higher class. Oh, rather, <laughs> elitism. <laughs> right, Carlos is like, okay, get on with it, God damn it. We don't pay you to just sit there. <laughs> so, first of all, mi gente, what post general election 2019, what is going on? Let's, 
Right, I am an Amazigh. People say to me, speak in Arabic because Arabic is the language of paradise. What can you say about this? Is there a hadith? <laughs> Let's come back to, uh, is it Nuruddin's question in just uh, a moment. What is the ruling of a Muslim woman marrying an agnostic man? Sarah, I have actually got your question. I did say I would respond to it, so I've got it jotted down to remind me. Uh, why don't you do videos teaching us how to get buff? <laughs> I've been trimming down for the past, uh, uh, what has it been now? It's been two months now. I've actually been trimming down. I don't know if you guys can see it. Let me see actually if I can, uh, if one of my screens has a slightly wider view. I don't know, maybe this one is a slightly wider view momentarily. Uh, not really. I mean, you can't really see it here, but I've been actually trimming down quite a bit. So slimming down and I've not been for two months. I've not been working out. So I'm due to resume now this week, inshallah. So I want to cut down and then uh, then pump out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been really good and I've got to say some things have been really working some people were asking about some supplements look I don't know whether it works on you but I'm hooked on on these drinks for example I should actually get my own drinks my own merch <laughs> advertise it here but the point is it's not this drink but the content L-carnitine I just find it amazing honestly I find uh, it what it does is this has probably got about one gram so 1000 milligrams in there of l-carnitine now it really brings me into focus honestly i'm like when i'm when i've had i have that like as i wake up i do a bit of exercise of I've, I've got myself a spin bike i use a bit of that so that's been part of this two month kind of trimming down thing and this just brings me in the zone, honestly, when I need to get work done, when I need to do it. And, and what it also does is it transforms, it assists the body in transforming um, fat as cellular energy, especially into the, I think, into the mito, uh, was mitochondria and things like this. The, the way energy is converted into that, L-carnitine plays a role in that. It's an amino acid. It's something natural that's found in meats and in other kind of products as well so but i mentioned it the other day and somebody had messaged me i think akbar was it akbar or somebody messaged me saying look um you know you spoke about l-carnitine can you explain a bit more about it so i thought yeah that's uh <laughs> i thought i'd mention a few words there somebody said don't what's this fraudy february don't go topless <laughs> <laughs> no chance no chance i've got too many you know people waiting for scandals you know the scandals <laughs> they want the scandals oh that reminds me i'll tell you what i'll mention it in the, as the mufti masala <laughs> it's not really masala but uh we had uh, uh this weekend gone had some guests uh come down mm, you know i want to chat some mufti stuff uh academic stuff 
So yeah, what the hell? So we have these get-togethers. So anybody, by the way, I know people do contact me saying, look, I'd like to pop down, I'd like to arrange, you know. So what to do is just contact uh, Muhammad Shaban, who's on Facebook, he's on Instagram. He's, you see him in a lot of pictures with me anyway and stuff like that. So just contact him and he'll set it all up, inshallah. So we had a few people come down. Now, one of the... <laughs> <laughs> one of the good brothers as it turned out later on was homosexual so it was a <laughs> not not this isn't in a judgmental way but it was really interesting that uh i had uh, you see i it, it gave us an opportunity <laughs> to really ask some of those really interesting questions <laughs> it was actually a very <laughs> well, very interesting very fun kind of uh, uh, <laughs> evening night <laughs> right so this right so what had happened was the hilarious part is this guy uh, very good decent person uh, academic had a lot of interesting questions from an Islamic viewpoint he wasn't none of us could actually tell that he was gay like no gaydar <laughs> didn't pick anything up so this guy was there we must have been chatting for hours and you know I got this inkling <laughs> this kind of hmm is this guy is this guy uh, is this guy homosexual not in a judgmental way so I thought look since we've had such good banter anyway, let, I'll just ask him outright. I just said to him that, you know, if you don't mind me asking you, are you homosexual? And, and there was a group of us there, you know, it's not, <laughs> and, and the most hilarious, so he said, so I think he, at first he got a bit uh, kind of off guard because he, he wasn't too sure, but then thinking about it, for hours we'd been so chilled, we weren't like, he definitely could tell we weren't that kind of, you know, we weren't the Taliban. <laughs> <laughs> so he said yeah so so I ended up you know I said no I'm curious I'd like to ask some questions that okay so how was your family about this I mean how was this how was that what kind of difficulties have you faced? you know all these kind of things just asking and it was really <laughs> interesting considering you know for the hours before we had been cracking so many homosexual jokes <laughs> not homophobic but just homosexual jokes in between which was hilarious especially now later on when we realized oh my god this guy. <laughs> so one of the things was that uh, <coughs> what's this uh, right Right. Oh, so I see. Oh, momento, momento. Sorry, people. I can see some, some guy is. Mm hmm. I'm just gonna. Sorry, I'm just gonna. I can see there's some trolls. Mm hmm. All right. Okay. Mm hmm. Um, so
sorry, just a moment, people. I've just got to check where my admin team are. <laughs> they seem to be asleep because <laughs> I can see there's some trolling going on. Mm hmm. See, ruining the. This this is the problem with people, but I suppose people get a kick out of it. Mm -hmm. Interrupting my flow. Sorry, so just, <clears throat> right, okay, so, hmm. wow, Usman Ali, F your admin, Usman Ali, all you do is laugh and don't, why, why are you actually watching me? <laughs> that has to be one miserable, <laughs> That has to be one miserable person. <laughs> right, well, Osman, goodbye to you. <laughs> ah, well, that's how it works. So anyway, getting back to... Uh, before I was rudely interrupted by somebody who clearly <laughs> is frustrated in life. You know, it's these kind of people, I would say something about them, but it, you know, rather than me putting them in their place, it's evident. It's evident, Osman, <laughs> that life's got their, <laughs> beat me to it. <laughs> oh, so... Yeah, so anyway, yeah, coming back to... But it was a really good um, discussion that we had. An opportunity where you get to ask all kinds of questions. You know, you're like... Uh, actually, was the guy called Osman Ali? <laughs> Osman Ali, once, because I was speaking about homosexuals, seems to have got triggered. I don't know what the connection is there. I'm trying to make a connection. Uh... <laughs> anyway let's move on people let's move on let's take a look at uh, some of the question <laughs> right so yeah so I mean it was the, you see these things are interesting opportunities you don't get every day to speak to someone in a in a safe kind of zone and ask them anything you're actually you know all these intriguing questions like okay so because you know sometimes you're intrigued and you know this politically correct answers and you know what people will say but you know you want so what do these people what's going on what's in the mind what's but yeah let's move on to some of these other important pertinent topics people 
So the general election right now, somebody said Osman must have dropped. The oh, you know what that reminds me was the guest we had. <laughs> Check this out. The guest we had, uh, he had actually brought, this is before we knew he was homosexual. He had brought as a gift some strange items. Like, I mean, there was, I mean, I'm very grateful if he watches this, of course, but they were kind of odd like at the time so one of them was uh, like a bar of soap <laughs> so <laughs> I suppose later on now that we knew his homosexual it kind of made sense I suppose it's a bit more kind of in touch with your inner s <laughs> the softer side I guess but at the time when he handed over these things these items there was a bar of soap so <laughs> So I dropped it on the floor. I go, were you expecting to kind of drop this and ask, <laughs> ask me to pick up the soap? Is that what you? <laughs> so these are the kind of jokes we were cra cracking when we had no idea that uh, <laughs> this guy is actually homosexual. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, so yeah. So coming back to this more important topic general elections guys the general elections have been now what are our thoughts right about all of this now I want to say that look there's certain things there's a lot of media kind of there's actually uh, I mean a lot of social media um, posts being made about the results there's a lot of fear-mongering going on a lot of people are kind of like trying to I don't know whether th maybe they are scared and they're trying to I don't know resonate that fear out there they're trying to I don't know what they're trying to do maybe they're not thinking this through but there's a lot of this oh my god oh my god what's gonna happen the Tories have have won and you know so I want to say first of all look people i myself um what full supporter of corbyn uh however the fact that he's lost and i want to mention a few things about that as well but the fact that he has lost this is not the end of the world okay this is not the you know an apocalyptic moment okay we need to stop being a part of these fear-mongering kind of campaigns nothing is gonna the world is not gonna end there's not gonna be this kind of all of a sudden it's not gonna become nazi camps <laughs> we need to just relax relajate tranquilo tranquilo people this it isn't gonna you know it's not going to become like that so stop spreading this kind of fear because you're just frightening other people i saw an article by i think it was the metro uh, stating that look oh post election results or post tory win uh muslims have began discussing or muslims are uh you know planning on leaving the uk and and i thought what what nonsense is that well that is utterly unacceptable you know these media outlets peddling this racial tension by trying to suggest that muslims are now about to leave the country 
<laughs> you know, first of all, Muslims are not leaving the country, okay? You need to calm down. Nothing is actually happening. Life is exactly as it was. The Tories, for those of you who haven't noticed, have actually been in power for almost two decades now. I'm sorry, for almost a decade now. So we need to kind of just relax and if possible look at the plus side look at the positives the pound has already it's began to soar in power in stability it's risen against the dollar against the euro that means those of you you know going on holidays or that have links abroad there's more it means more money for you already immediately i'm just saying i mean in addition to other things i wanted to also say that look one of the parties had to lose I mean, there could have been a hung, which is, I suppose, in some way still a loss. But if there had to be a loss from an evaluative perspective, in many ways, it's better in many ways. I mean, it's unfortunate because I would, you know, affiliate with the left, not the far left, but with the left, with li more liberal values, less authoritarian, more about social welfare things like this i do associate with that affiliate with that and uh but all things said and considered if one of the two had to lose which they did in some ways it's better that the left lost you know why i'm thinking about now that it's happened because can you imagine you see if the right had lost the right also was supporting, was kind of peddled by a lot of the far-right claims and cries about Brexit and things like this. The reaction from them would be much more stark and harsh than the reaction from the left when they lose. You see, you would have had a very, like an extremist reaction that would have led to peddling a lot more hatred in the country that would have led to uh, maybe you know much you know actual like many dangerous scenarios and things like this i'm just saying i don't i this is you know my thoughts on it I, i'm not saying i Yeah, I mean, somebody said, don't you think British politics is a lot more to the left? It is. It is. Absolutely. I agree. It is to the left. So, right. But that said, that said, we're trying to assess reactions. We're trying to assess, you know, when one side loses compared to the other, what are the losses? What are the dam? What is the damage? And sometimes when people ask for something so much and you give it to them, you know, like people are saying, oh, we want the Tories in, we want this, we want that. And you give it to them and they've got it now. They've got a clear mandate. And sometimes it makes people realize, well, you know, once they stop fighting, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, and I, 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 I'm not really a fan at all of Boris, uh, but I think in some ways he would have to kind of up his game. Because he knows that, you know, there's huge expectations and now there isn't even an opposition to blame. If you don't deliver on things, it's your own doing. This kind of brings us to um, 
the Corbin thing. You know, it's. I was thinking about this, and I have to say, I, you know, I genuinely feel very sorry for Jeremy Corbin because it's not just the fact that he lost. There's that, but he 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 suffered a huge humiliation with this defeat, and it's not even that. Now you check this out. Here is a man who's been campaigning for decades. Decades he's been campaigning um, against things like oppression, against racism. I mean, he's been campaigning since, like, he was an activist. Like, uh, uh, you know, you get those old photos from the 70s, early 80s, before the Race Equality Act was even introduced before it was even law to be discriminating racially and things like that. You've got a person like Jeremy Corbyn who from that time was campaigning and an activist. He was, you know, going up against the police and protesting and doing all of these things. Now he reaches the peaks of his career where he potentially could become the prime minister of the country. Now it reaches, now that, that may be a position that he had never envisaged in the past, that he would actually attain something like that. I mean, he may have thought, you know, maybe he'd never considered that I'd become so successful. Um, and he reaches such a maqam, such a position, and then not only suffers such a humiliating defeat, but then is told is kind of cornered into, forced, one could say, socially coerced, into resigning with, with the label of racist. <laughs> I mean, the very thing he fought for decades. They are closing his entire chapter, sealing it with the term racist. Wow. How cruel is this world? <laughs> you know the Jo Bemot Marhi Dale Ye Dunya Vohe That which kills you without death a thousand times over. Such is this dunya. Ham Josinda Hentojine Kahunarakte. You know, if we are alive it's because we have the ability to survive. This, it's a shame, honestly, it's an absolute, it's so tragic, it's, it's, it's movie-like. <laughs> you know, the fact that they took him to this breaking point and then sealed his chapter with the term racist, the very thing he spent decades fighting. And yet, people, for example, Boris could say clearly almost racist remarks, nobody bats, he'd just be a blah, blah, blah didn't mean it like that it was just it's just you know just humor <laughs> and people would be so forgiving it's amazing isn't it this is people dunya welcome ahlan wa sahlan bikum fi dunyana this is our dunya that we have people so it is a fascinating thing upon my critique to what Corbyn, Corbyn's strategy and what really led to his loss, I believe, were two main things. I think the absolute main thing was his position on Brexit.
uh, refusing to be resolute. And this goes to show that, look, people, even if they don't understand something, they want to see certainty in, in the leader. That's, they need to see certainty. And I quoted on my Facebook thing as well, John Elias, you know, the, the legendary poet, who says, Shayad mene mohabbat kabhi ki hine, that perhaps I've never truly loved anyone. <laughs> Lekin yakin sabko dilata raha Allah, Allah. Yet I've made everybody feel certain that I have. So sometimes you need to, and even if what Jeremy Corbyn should have done is he should have just said his position. You know, he was a lever, he wasn't a Remainer. And he should have just said that when they asked him, like they asked him five times on that debate and he avoided the question every time. He just said, my party position is this, but they said, what is your position? He should have just said, look, I'm, uh, I do want Brexit. He should have said that. I want Brexit. And I did vote for leaving Brexit, but he, sh he sh could have just added that I've got constituents on both sides of the argument. And I understand their side and, you know, it makes sense to me and I understand their side. It makes sense to me. So we are going to get Brexit. And then to make sure you're happy with what you what we've got will allow you to OK it and approve it. And that is the ratifying vote. There you go. Allah, Allah, Allah. People, maybe I should enter politics. <laughs> you know, as uh, a wise man once, as uh, as Amitabh Bachchan once said in <laughs> in a movie, he said, "Kisi ko marna hatiya hai." Killing someone is simply murder. Magar kisi ko sahi vakt pe marna. <laughs> he said, but to kill them at the precise time, now that's politics. <laughs> so these were my thoughts. Look, it's a shame. Uh, he didn't win, but it is what it is, you know, and there must be khair in this as well. So, but the most important thing is stay weary of this doom and gloom kind of propaganda that is being peddled oh my god we better migrate back where should we go i saw this these posts i saw this one post saying we as muslims uh, uh, what country if you were to do hijra would you do hijra to <laughs> you know people we are part and parcel of this society we are like this is in the uk the british people we have to stop this transitory mindset you have to understand that we are here we are <laughs> you know we were born here it's not i mean some people have come here i get that but the majority of the muslims here are born here So this is this is what it is. There's a um, you know what is there? There's a, a poem that, in fact, I've I'll try and actually get it as a file as well <laughs> later on about the uh, Indian issue because it's going on over there as well. Huge right wing 
kind of propaganda that he says isi gali ki khaak se yahi apni yahi khaak apni milayenge the isi gali ki khaak se yahi khaak apni milayenge na aaye ab aapke bulane se the ना बुलाए आपके आए हैं ना निकाले आपसे जाएंगे बट इट्स अलॉन्ग दीज लाइन्स इट्स अ वेरी पावरफुल समबडी एड मैं इन इंडिया बिकॉज राइट नाउ इन इंडिया यू ऑल्सो गॉट द राइज ऑफ फैशिजम एंड द फॉर राइट एंड थिंग्स लाइक दिस एंड देव पास्ट अ बिल एंड टॉक अबाउट दैट इन जस्ट अ मोमेंट वी कम बैक टू सम ऑफ योर क्वेश्चन फर्स्ट ऑफ ऑल सो पीपल मेन थिंग इज stay positive that's what it is stay positive and that is really the the true sign of a believer you know the prophet said in a hadith that a believer is always positive that he's always positive you know amruhu that the prophet said that i like i'm amazed at the matter the affair of a believer amruhu kulluhu khair that everything is always good it's always sunny side up <laughs> that's what it is and that's the hadith that the prophet saying is amazing you know if something good he he's grateful he praises god if something difficult or challenging he has patience he understands that this is from god so cool people let's move on to the next question um right so right let's let's take right there was a question on the arabic language somebody had asked a question on uh if uh that they are amazigh which is the berber tribes they're part of the berber tribes uh of north africa which is in morocco algeria maybe tunis i don't know but in and that they have a different language which is now it has a written script as well and you can if you visit north africa if you visit morocco or you visit i'm not sh- presumably parts of algeria you will see it written especially in morocco you do see the it's more it's kind of almost uh like from hieroglyphics in some ways it's it's kind of shapes and things like that so the person was asked that look i speak amaziri he speaks his language and people say to him you should speak arabic because arabic is the language of jannah so what do we think about this look arabic <laughs> is not the language of jannah like that in the afterlife thing these you see these things these hadith or these kind of teachings or these things are simply first of all they're not even that sahih okay but even if we accept these things as being sahih let's say we go with this is authentic this is simply to highlight the the kind of maqam of the quran it's just saying that like this language is a kind of currency it is what flows 
and it's stating that oh this is of the akhirah that the, you know this is a hadith that for example the uh, by ibn umar it's challenged on not being authentic absolutely but still the point is if we accept it for argument's sake where the prophet is saying ahibul arab li thalath that love the arabs for three reasons and this you see even in this hadith it says love the arabs for three reasons and you have to remember that this was in the time when the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam was there the Ar- the arabs were the first people to embrace the da'wah of islam and they were spreading this and you have to remember that people were in qabail and shu'ub and sha'ab sha'ab is a settled people like most of the world is probably i don't know if i can say most but a huge part of the world is really sha'ab qabail are like uh, tribal people so they have allegiances to tribes and things like this most of the world that is kind of like in the past the persian empire was sha'ab they were a settled people they weren't they you know they were like it, it was they were kind of like citizens and city folks and it's not just about cities you can have tribal people in cities as well but tribal people don't usually run with a kind of kingdom system or things like they will have kind of tribes and sometimes they can still have kings uh, but they are slightly different in their allegiances and setup that qabail usually have a slightly more nomadic element to them even when they are civilized like civilized i don't mean it in the wrong way here i mean even when they are as a civilization okay so even when they're city folks and city dwellers right so yeah so the prophet is saying that look because there may be some adversity there may be some people maybe didn't like certain arabs and so the prophet is saying look don't detest them have a a, a a, a kind of love for them that he said i am an arabian uh, and the quran is arabi and the and the kalam of akhirah is arabia but this first of all hadith isn't sahih but even if we take it as for argument's sake it's simply to generate a love for the message it's not trying to tell us that look by the way in the akhirah everybody's going to be speaking arabic <laughs> That doesn't make any sense because <laughs> look arabic is a language that has evolved just like every other language it's a derivative language like about 200 years before the prophet arabic started to evolve it hasn't been around since the beginning of time for example so to say well one language and some languages do have more virtues over other languages that is true some languages are more adaptable some languages are more structured and more logical Uh, a lot of the ancient languages were like that so arabic is definitely much more structured it's an amazing language some languages sound so nice you know listening to them urdu sounds nice i i don't know i mean to me urdu <laughs> i understand it as well but i'm just saying i feel that urdu does have a unique thing to it because the w- when it was kind of being born if you like that they they made the language um for royalty they made it as a kind of vernacular a kind of slang but a slang that could be presented to the kings of the time the mughal court so therefore it has that kind of regal nature about it i think personally spanish sounds amazing i i love the way spanish sounds um 
Italian sounds nice. I mean, these are Latin, obviously strongly Latin languages, but we don't, all languages are amazing. You know, there's nothing wrong in speaking Barbaria or Amaziria or whatever your language is. Embrace it. Yeah, but likewise, I wouldn't say it's unfortunate because sometimes some people that you see, they impose their language upon other people, then there's a, a kind of adverse resentment. So when people impose Arabic on these on people like, let's say, the Amazir, then they might end up hating Arabic like the the Kurdish people who, you know, in Iraq, when it was imposed on them that you have to speak Arabic, why people will speak Arabic anyway? Why are you so, why are you imposing a culture on people? Just, it'll be in the schools anyway. It's part of the country. Of course, you're going to learn the language. So, yeah, so that's my thoughts on that. You, you're not obligated to speak Arabic. I think if you're interested in the Deen, as a religious duty, I feel that for a person who's serious about his or her religion, they would have a duty um, to learn the Arabic language, um, to understand the Quran. I don't believe, I believe that's a duty, but not one that is, for example, in the sense of like punishable or things like this. I'm not, I don't believe it's a sin for not learning Arabic, but I believe that it's a duty, a kind of religious duty for people who are serious about wanting to understand the religion. Because the Quran is in Arabic fundamentally and our heritage by and large is in Arabic. So if you want to have a, a true understanding of the deen, you really will need the Arabic language. So, uh, right, somebody had, Somebody said Mirpuri sounds awesome. <laughs> Mirpuri, <laughs> of course, of course it does, of course it does. <laughs> you know, Mirpuri can sound good, I think, if it depends. Mirpuri is Patwari, or Pathari, or however you, some people call it Pahari as well. But it's, it, it's, it depends on the people speaking it, I think. Some people, oh my God, I can't stand the way they speak it. <laughs> they nasalize everything and... <laughs> Some people speak it very well. I think if you're gonna speak it clearly, it can sound very nice. Um, any language sounds good, you know, it's, I'm sure <laughs> it's not. <laughs> right, somebody saying Mirpuri, is, is that, is the future Mirpuri, huh? is that what it is? Nah, <laughs> that's it. Mirpuri has long, <laughs> it's not even a, you, don't, you, don't, you can't write the language, unfortunately, so it's not going to really get anywhere. Right, so let's move on to some other questions, people. What are some questions? What's going on? Shall we take, look at, all right. I'm a Mirpuri teacher, can book your acha-cha-cha. Tika-tika. 
I swear, yeah, nasalizing. I, I can't stand people. I mean, I can stand, but I can't stand that sound. They make it, you know, sound so... Uh, mm. <laughs> right. What's your take on Yusuf Islam inviting Turkish President Erdogan to open the new eco-mosque in Cambridge? And the UK Kurdish population were holding protests. Sure, I, look, these things, I... I don't think there's any harm in the, in him inviting Erdogan. Erdogan. I think it's look. It's up to people. We have to. I I mean once again I'm not in fully up to date with all the kind of the civil infighting going on. What's happening against the Kurds and stuff like that. I am against clearly any oppression. I don't see the need why people feel that they need to oppress a certain people when you're already a secure nation. Like, what's the, what is the need? Like, but I get the fact that they feel that the Kurdish people are might have a separatist element to them, and they see that as a identity threat. Um, I don't know, but I don't see any harm in inviting the uh, Turkish, you know, president. He didn't open the mosque. All right, so... Somebody said, nasalizing sounds is applicable to any language. Nothing that Sam... That's true, but uh, it's just unfortunately I found it to be the case with a lot of people who speak Mirpuri. Um, it's not specific to that, but I found it to be like that. I mean, a lot of, there's many people who don't. I mean, my own family, we speak Mirpuri as well. <laughs> I tend to speak more Urdu now, like at home. And obviously, but that's because I've, you know, spent so many years, like six, seven years uh, in Pakistan, in Karachi, just speaking Urdu. And so, but, we speak, I mean, my family, they don't do that kind of nasalizing thing at all. But I've seen it on people, I've seen it on many people. They're doing, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> anyway, hey, Mufti, what are your thoughts on listening to Dawaman about jinns? Dawaman and jinns. Okay, Hannah has asked the question three times. This is definitely, this must be a jinn posting on behalf of Hannah. <laughs> Right, so <laughs> Dawah man and jinns. I don't, you know, what it is is that jinn seems to be a topic that everybody loves. So they're like, oh, let's get jinns, jinns, you know. So everybody wants to speak about it. I, it doesn't really work like that. Jinn simply means the unseen. It's not the way people feel that jinn. You know, they think that jinn is this whole. Um, um, you know, these kind of devils running around that are doing things. It doesn't have to be not. What I'm trying to say is one could say, well, you've got no proof it isn't true. That is true. I've got no proof it isn't that. But there's no evidence or anything to suggest it is either. This is just Allah simply mentioned in the Quran that there is the unseen. That is a kind of organism right in and of itself this unseen is the jinn well now people have just filled things in 
oh my god that must mean this that must mean this that must mean i mean what's to say this is not a kind of organism in the quantum realm what's to say i mean but people think it's this kind of devil that's sitting here now with two horns and <laughs> breathes fire and he possesses people and oh, just causes catatonic schizophrenia <laughs> and all he does is whispers <laughs> you know <laughs> you know there's a, a friend of mine he he called me and i won't say who it is not to uh but he called me uh, a few weeks back and we had a discussion and he asked me about jinns and he wanted some exorcism done exorcism obviously not from me he knows that i don't really buy into that stuff but he was telling me about it and the funny thing is that <laughs> i said to him look you do know that none of this is real that people you know this is just folkloric religion this is just folklore people have kind of made it up you're much better trust me living your life superstition free life is perfect it's amazing when you don't live with superstitions honestly i'm telling you i i there was an i don't i mean it's now decades ago <laughs> but there was a phase in my life where i bought into all this superstition and i bought into it heavily for us for a certain period and so i can actually truly appreciate what it feels like being liberated from superstitions so I mean, I told this person, and he's like, look, I totally understand you, Mufti, and I know that you're going to say that, uh, you know, jinns don't possess and this kind of stuff doesn't happen. And he said that, you know, black magic doesn't happen and all this. And he said that, and if it wasn't for having witnessed it myself, I would be with you. <laughs> so I was like, Acha, <laughs> witnessed it yourself. <laughs> Do tell, who oh, rather. <laughs> so he, he said, oh, uh, no, I witnessed it. We witnessed it ourselves. So I said, what did you witness? <laughs> so he said, well, he said that we will we'll be sitting there and we can hear that somebody has tried to put a key into the into the door to open the door, the, the main door of the house but nobody's there Duh. <laughs> i said <laughs> so <laughs> the jinn is trying to come into the house using a false key <laughs> that is unsuccessful as well <laughs> the jinn is rather courteous the jinn goes oh well <laughs> bloody key doesn't even seem to work <laughs> i'll have to come back again tomorrow with another key <laughs> or i could just walk through the walls but oh <laughs> are you even a jinn if you do not use the door <laughs> Honestly, I find this stuff amazing that how people can believe this stuff. And this is this is the reality that look, imagine you tell somebody and I said this this just recently as well that look, you have to understand 
people. That look, let's take health as an example. I gave this as an example just this in this discussion we had with our our guest. <laughs> I said that let's take health, physical health. Now, it's like a spectrum. Every single person, I'm assuming, on the globe has some 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 health problems they have something that is a problem but a certain amount of the spectrum is socially considered negligible it is still an issue but it's like so for example somebody could have could be short-sighted they need glasses somebody could have you know i don't know a certain skin eczema or they could have a certain i don't know they could be negligent like uh, i suppose eczema could be serious as well but it could be a low case of it it could be negligible right somebody hasn't you know they've got a little ache here they've got a little ache there you know maybe they you know they've got arthritis or mild arthritis or people have got diabetes or people have got and what happens is the spectrum it starts people go higher and higher, further on the spectrum then there's a certain part which is seen socially as oh my god the person is ill like let's say god forbid a person has cancer or they have something then everybody would recognize that clearly as that is clearly a health alarm that the person is seriously ill whereas being short-sighted in this society isn't considered anything because they'll just say get some glasses and it's perfectly normal almost almost to to be like that so what i'm trying to say here is you see there this is physical health we as a people seem to take mental health for granted why do we assume that people don't have problems with mental health the same way we must all have some mental health issues but there would be a degree that would be negligible just as within society you know having I don't know like something wrong with your nails or something isn't really considered like a health issue or just having you know being short-sighted like I mentioned or somebody uh, snoring let's say or these things are not really these are these do come down to actual physical issues but they're not seen in society as like a disease so on the mental health scale it's the same thing we all suffer from mental health issues but they may just be very mild and negligible until they're very serious so there's the way people recognize cancer on the health scale on mental health like extreme psychosis like when a person is sectioned they will say oh yes clearly they've got mental health issues but we're making an assumption that you either have it or you don't but the truth is we've all got some level of mental health issues going on some people you know we'd all have some level of neuroticism and <laughs> not eroticism and neuroticism <laughs> in case some people are like huh eroticism is a mental health issue <laughs> <laughs> right so <laughs> then they're like i i need to be sectioned <laughs> i'm gonna go hand myself in tomorrow to the psych ward i'm gonna say you know what <laughs> eroticism i heard is a <laughs> so neuroticism so my point being that look 
when people have, uh, let's say, some something going on, imagine this is what happens. Like you tell them that you tell them, you know, this could be something neurotransmitters. It could be how the brain is functioning. There could be low serotonin levels. They could be, and they'll be like, <laughs> low serotonin level. Don't be stupid. <laughs> this is what people will be, will be like. They'll be like, serotonin. <laughs> that, that, they'll be like, that doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> you know, you'll tell them this could be that certain... <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense that it's a mental health issue. Duh! It's clearly a gin. <laughs> so you're like, oh, wait a minute. So, when I said that, you know, it could be certain neurotransmitters in the brain, certain things, phys you know, physiological features of the brain, and you're, and you're like, that doesn't even make any sense. But it happens to be a tribe of jinn that have attacked this person. <laughs> Duh! And that does make sense. <laughs> so, people, this is the stage we're at right now. Let's see what some of the questions are hmm <clears throat> somebody said eroticism can't be normal <laughs> well <laughs> i don't know <laughs> you can't get mufti is it okay to have women only mosques and female imams leading prayers for both men and women oof let's see hi muftis car finance my boss at work is definitely a jinn no way she's human. She doesn't even bleed. <laughs> uh, if it bleeds, we can kill it. <laughs> In the words of Arnie. You see, look. All oh, right. What was I about to answer? <laughs> see, I forgot. See, that was the gin taking the questions out of my mind. In and out. Women only masjids. I'm not really for women only masjids because I believe that masjids should be inclusive of both men and women. I'm against segregated masjids. Uh, I mean, when I say against, I'm not protesting or anything, but I'm. <laughs> I I feel that it's just culture. It's not religion. It's cultured. Uh, uh, you know, culturally morphed religion that's what it is in the time of the prophet men and women attending the masjid together how can we know better than the prophet it makes zero sense so the problem with women only masjid is it's exactly the same thing it's just creating further segregated space and i feel that why do you need to segregate you know people are like oh my god but people are gonna do things you know, if the men and women are masjid, people could do things. <laughs> I mean, when does it happen like that? <laughs> what kind of masjids are these? That as soon as you see man and woman see each other there, the next immediate step is they're just having sex. I mean, when does this happen anywhere like this? <laughs> can people share the, can they pin drop the locations? <laughs> Yeah, but in Muddat say namaz nahi padi hai masjid mein. It's been a while. We haven't prayed in the mosque. 
we need to go to some of these masjids. So I, I don't see what this. Oh my god, oh my god, people are gonna freak. People are gonna freak. It's like, relax. Nothing. These are the same people that are out there in society. You know, why are you acting so weird? <laughs> you know, I. <laughs> this reminds me, I had. Uh, I was having a discussion with someone. They asked me a question. This lady asks me. She says, look, I, uh, about a, a divorce, she's going through a civil divorce, or I think she had a civil divorce, I can't remember, but it was about, a, she's, there was a civil divorce going on, um, and she asks that, would she require an Islamic divorce? So I said, well, look, yes, because they are separate things, they're separate entities, they don't actually overlap. Uh, just as a nikah and a, a kind of an actual a registered marriage are two separate things in especially in this country so okay so so she says well this was her response <laughs> so she says initially look well to me uh, the civil one is the important one right i don't really care too much about the other one as well it doesn't yeah, none of my business what, whether you care or don't care you know I'm just answering what you asked me so she carries on chatting about things and then at one point in the conversation she says well look if I get a, an Islamic talaq from if I get an Islamic divorce from my husband we're still currently living together and then I we won't be we won't have we won't be in a relationship like Islamic relationship so uh, you know can, am I allowed to still be there in the property till I sort myself out I said yeah you know you can do hence the idda is often spent in the same house often not always but often I said that's fine and she said yeah but will I have to cover my hair <laughs> I said well you know, it's arguably like, would you, would you, you know, there's a, a difference of opinion. And she said, well, uh, you know, I, well, I want to know because I take my religion seriously. <laughs> I was like, uh, I'm sure this conversation began by saying, I don't really care much about the Islamic one. I was just more interested in the civil. <laughs> So this is the same thing going on here that people they have I don't know how what kind of worlds people live in right so <clears throat> right so let's take a look at some other questions people uh, um, one of the local masjids sent an email on Eid to say we are accommodating Eid prayers for women so sisters please dress appropriately to not cause fitna for the brothers <laughs> which Kafir sent that email. <laughs> it's because of these people, these women wear black burqas. <laughs> ah, you see, this is this is the nonsense. Look, people need to calm down. Look, if a woman is going to dress beautifully, obviously that's. The, I mean, look, who doesn't want to dress? in a good way that's it's human nature you know the companions asked the prophet you know doesn't each and every one of us want 
that his clothing be good that as in good socially good obviously not just and good to the person so the prophet said of course in allah jamilun yuhibbul jamal allah is beautiful he loves beauty you know this thing of like fitnat yes there is this thing in islam unquestionably about modesty but we have to understand that look we've got to stop trying to micromanage people guys need to stop acting these people need to stop acting so insecurely you know if you see a woman let's say let's say she isn't dressed modestly let's say she is barely dressed at all you're not realistically you know you're not gonna lose your <laughs> you know lose your stuff altogether lose your mind i mean you may think oh wow <laughs> you may be distracted momentarily you may think <laughs> but realistically you know you're not gonna be like oh 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 caveman i must now oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it doesn't happen like that i mean in this day and age you just have to step outside there's there's going to be plenty of women that are going to be everywhere you know that's not so you're not going to lose your mind you they haven't pulled you out of raqqa in isis territory where everybody's got a burqa on and now you're seeing women for the first time so calm people need to calm themselves down and stop trying to micromanage people i get the fact you could say look but I think that should just be a, a general message in saying that, look, people should always maintain the etiquettes of a masjid. But beyond that, you shouldn't really be telling people, don't come here dressed in this, 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 this. Let people live their lives. All right. Do you think ethnic blood language and cultural lines need to respect? All oh, right. That question's gone. Uh, are there any village wars coming up? I don't know if there are any village wars coming up. Uh, I don't know what our beloved Sheikh Asrar is, uh, is, is up to nowadays. <laughs> I know for Christmas, I saw some poster that he was doing something on the Messiah, was it, or something like this. I don't, I mean, I obviously am not going to attempt. <laughs> With all due respect to Sheikh Asrar, I mean, he's my friend, my friend, this one. <laughs> you know, that one. He's, but realistically speaking, uh, his lectures are so boring. <laughs> so I'm obviously, and they're not really that informative, if I'm going to be honest. So, uh, but I mean, I, I don't know. I, maybe people maybe you know it ticks their boxes so to speak so let's see Dana nondor do you think ethnic cultural lines need to be respected in a context context of religion yes of course i mean culture language ethnicity these things are respected and they will bring about a certain flavor in the religion and I think Islam has a great deal of elasticity. <laughs> elasticity. So it's there. And I like the the, the kind of um, uh, parallel drawn by um, <coughs> Dr. Umar Abdullah, where he mentions that he says, like, Islam is like a stream. 
right that Islam is is like uh, like a stream of water whichever riverbed or the kind of stream bed that it flows over it ends up adopting that color and surrounding so the water might appear to have a certain color to it because of where it's you know kind of not residing but flowing so yeah so i i like that a lot that to me makes a lot of sense that islam is like that so islam does value it does respect cultural sensitivities it does do these things and it allows them you know it's not this control freak thing that people are making it today the way this you know the salafis or the diobandis and these people the way they make you know religion like oh they just want to impose on you oh everybody walk around in a thobe like saudi a saudi frock <laughs> Why would you want to walk around in a frock? It's like, why, why do I mean, if you want to, fine. I mean, but I'm just saying, why would you think everybody would like that? I mean, I, 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 it's not really my thing. <laughs> or to walk around in <laughs> looking like Scrooge. <laughs> in the UK. Well, why? I mean, to, what, what relevance does it have to me? like as a person why why should i dress up like a, i mean i've got nothing against gulf culture but why should i dress up like them i mean why why don't i dress up like chinese people or japanese people <laughs> like why to me that's the same as saying to someone you should dress up we're uh, you know like a, a what is it japanese attire the kimono or whatever it's called and the person would say why <laughs> So to me, it's exactly the same. It's like saying, why should we imagine people start walking around the UK wearing these Japanese, I think they call kimonos. I've forgotten what they call now. Or is that the dragon? Am I saying that? Let's see if somebody's put the right thing on here. So now if you see, imagine people start walking around dressed like those, like that Japanese traditional clothing and they're British born and, and they see it as part of a, like everybody must wear that. That's <laughs> it's just strange. That's there's nothing. I mean, it's not. I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's strange. And I think it's wrong to say you have to wear it. That is wrong. Yeah. So yes, kimono. Somebody said Nurkis shukran shukran. Right. So yeah. So the, the so this is the thing. So saying to people that look go around wearing this kind of frock. I mean, you can't even stretch your legs in the. <laughs> You gotta kind of like, it traps you if you're trying to it's like but yeah so this whole thing this it really is you know right throughout history religion was never seen like this just look at the ancient prophets i mean look do, do, look let's take a jesus salam, as an example what do you think Jesus was not part and parcel of the Judeo-Roman culture? Of course he was. He was a person that was growing up, although in Jewish populated areas, but under Roman control. He wasn't somebody different. He wasn't trying to start a new fashion. Hence, give on to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. He was, what do you think, M Musa alayhi salam? was being different 
Do you think Musa salam, would not have had the influences of the pharaonic culture? And I want to speak about that actually. We're going to come to that because I believe he did. And we'll speak about that about who was Uzair. Um, who is Uzair? I was about to say radiallahu an. <laughs> then I was like, wait a minute, who is Uzair? <laughs> right, so I want to speak about that in just a moment. So, yes, this culture thing. Islam is very flexible, Adinu Yusur. Go with the flow, people. But at the same time, if your culture is warped a bit, like let's say your culture is very patriarchal. So you may do things in your culture in a patriarchal manner. But the problem is when you start to solidify the religion and present it as equally and only patriarchal and say that this is what the religion is, full stop. The religion is not patriarchal, although a lot certain verses in the Quran address the men because the Quran, where it was revealed, the society was patriarchal. So it was addressing them in a way that they understood. So there's nothing wrong in that though, like if, you know, some societies may be matriarchal or, you know, certain, so, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that from an Islamic perspective. So it's just culture. So that's the, the crucial difference I'd just like to make that Islam does honor ethnicities and cultures and all these things. Ethnicities is more to do with races and stuff like that, but it honors the individual culture and it allows you to practice within your culture. The problem is when you start presenting your cultural version and imposing it on other people who don't necessarily abide by that culture. Right, so let's take... Ayub asks, uh, if the Dajjal is fake, why are there more than 45 companions narrating him? Um... How about Abu Unaysa says, how about imposing an Islamic identity on somebody? What does an Islamic identity even mean? Um, what is the influence of Zoroastrianism on Islam? Can you talk about Islam and vegetarianism? I tell you what, let's share a quick few words on sectarianism and Islam. And I want to tie in some of those things because people, we, you know, the sign of a secure identity is that you can comfortably look at and even learn from people that you disagree with. That reflects a sense of confidence. It reflects a sense of a security, self-security. We within our tradition have had huge, like it's amazing the things we've had, but we've only demonized them because they are sectarian, you know, they're sectarian um, groups or empires or things like that. So we didn't want to glorify them. So people felt that, you know, oh my God, if I say anything nice about, like if I say anything nice about the Fatimids, the Fatimid dynasty, then, oh my God, I'm endorsing the Ismaili sect. <laughs> or if I say anything nice or anything positive, it's not about being nice, but anything positive. Or if I acknowledge any positivity to do with the Shia, then I must be a Shia. Or if I acknowledge any positivity to do... Look, this is such an immense sense of insecurity. Um, 
And I'd like to actually, on that note, highlight there was a, a sect that begins with somebody who was from the Ismailis. It's known as the Qaramita. The, it, was, uh, it was kind of founded, if you like, or pioneered uh, initially by somebody called Hamdan Qurmat. Now, this person, this is, we're talking into the 3rd century of Islam, that kind of time, like into the 200s, moving on. He was from the Ismailis and he he kind of has these disputes with the Fatimids and things like that. So they disagree on certain things of the succession, uh, the, who, who takes the succession and so on. And the Ismailis have their own differences, just like every group does. But nevertheless, this person, Hamdan Qurmut, kind of inspires these other people. There's, uh, I think his name's Abu Sa'id Jannabi. He sends him, and they do these military expeditions, and they are hardline kind of Ismaili. They, you know, Shia Ismaili, um, and then they inspire this kind of movement, and they set up an entire kingdom, which rules from just outside of uh, Kufa in Iraq. And at some points, even took over Kufa, maybe you know, for a brief moment, right down to the East Bahrain. They'd covered all of that region, and at some points, even attacked Mecca. But they had a huge kind of like, if you look at the map, spread across the Middle East, the Gulf part, all of Bahrain, uh, huge parts of what is modern day Saudi Arabia, what is called the Ahsa region was set up as their capital. And they ruled this for, if I'm correct, almost about a hundred years. Now, the Karamit, uh, sometimes they're called the Karamites in English sometimes, or Karmatians as well, some people call them. But the Karamita in Arabic, and they had huge figures like Abu Tahir and other people. Now, what's interesting is, remember, considering these people were over 1100 years ago, they set up the world's first socialist state. They had actually an empire in their empire. They believed that people will not own property and that they, the property will be given to each and all. That each and all will be given a kind of like a, a stipend, uh, like benefits. They will be allocated a certain uh, rationed amount of money, a rationed amount of food. They had like a cooperative communist system. They actually set it up, the Karamita did, and they were vegetarian. They were by and large all vegetarian. Um, and this, they actually were flourished for several decades to the extent that they had at some point the Abbasid uh, Caliph paying tribute to them. He had to pay them for security. I mean, they were a very at certain points, a powerful force as well. They and and they. I'm not saying they they didn't have extremist tendencies. They did as well. They you know there were a lot of negativities as well. They were extremists. They did also attack Mecca because they believed that Hajj was a pagan ritual that Muslims had carried on. So they would attack the caravans and loot the caravans. And amidst that, they would they you know because they saw these people then as being pagans. So they would they killed people. They killed many people as well and things like this. Isn't everybody? I'm saying this is the part of the empire, the kind of the armies, if you like, not the normal public. 
that they had who were Karamita as well. Um, and at one point they actually went and they 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 <laughs> stole the black stone. <laughs> So the black stone from uh, the Kaaba was taken. It was missing for about 23 years. They took it to Asa and or Bahrain, the capital. They took it there and they had it there for um, for over two decades. And then it was they were actually threatened by the Shia. You see, this is interesting because the Ubaidiyin and the Fatimiyin, who were the Ismaili Shia. Of, but they disagreed with the Karamita. Actually, uh, um, the Fatimi Caliph of the time wrote a letter to Abu Tahir saying that he's threatening him. And even Ubaidullah, who was a hardcore, the Sunnis hate him. They call him Kafir and they, they claim that he used to insult the Prophet and he used to do all these things. I don't know if those things are true because sectarianism, you know, it's so hyped up, everything, the rhetoric. So Ubaidullah actually wrote a letter as well. So not only the Fatimid, and these were all Ismaili Shia who were writing to him that the Fatimid Caliph wrote to him that you better, you know, you better allow people to restore the Hajj. Like stop, because people stopped doing the Hajj. They, because the territory was surrounded by Karamita, unless you were coming from the south, Yemen. So people were too afraid to go to the Hajj because these guys said that, you know, Hajj was a pagan thing, so nobody do it. And so the, the Fatimid Caliph wrote saying that, look, you know, enough is enough. But this was, remember, after 20 years of it. And Ubaidullah then wrote, and uh, sorry, Ubaid. Ubaid was, like I said, he was an absolute uh, hard line. Uh, like he, they would murder, massacre Sunnis and things like this is the story anyway, I don't know. But uh, he wrote to him saying, if you do not return the black stone to the Kaaba, I will bring an army to you. And he said, and it will be an army that you will not be able to deal with. So Abu Tahir returned it. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you're too serious. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, why the long face? I only took the black stone. <laughs> so they returned it and they and the black stone when they returned it, it was smashed in seven pieces or they say approximately seven. Hence today it's only it's seven pieces that they have. Some say they smashed it intentionally for the seven Imams that they have in the Ismaili thing. Others said that maybe it was an accident as they were returning it is smashed. But uh, but it was missing, and so, and hence, and when he returned it, he said there was a famous statement that the Karamati uh, uh, he said he said Akhadnahu he said uh, uh, the black stone Akhadnahu he said it is by the strength of God we took this stone Waradadnahu bimashiati Allah Allah dialogue he said and we returned it by His will. Meaning that we ain't doing it because you guys said it. Apne style say, you know, it's our own style. So people, this, but my point was, it's not so much about the sectarianism and the fighting and the, all of this. This is interesting, the Blackstone story as well. But it's how they set up the world's first communist state under religion. 
and and it flourished for decades and i think even as a case study i'm not saying we need to have a communist state of course not but i'm saying as a case study isn't that fascinating don't you think wow like ain't there so many lessons to be learned here by studying them what did they do what were, what was going on like how were they transacting how were they supporting what was what was society like and under such a a state because they had a huge a relatively huge empire but unfortunately what muslims have generally done is because they are karamita who are part of the ismaili sect they've never refused to generally study them and refuse to even discuss anything positive about them and only discuss the fact that they used to murder people and they did this and they stole the black stone and that's it but i feel that this is that insecurity we should check when we see things that wow that's interesting and learn from it cool that was uh, i thought that's worth sharing all right <clears throat> Right, so Ayub is asking, uh, uh, did the retards not read the Quran? <laughs> uh, somebody, hey Mufti, will I get punished if my wife doesn't wear hijab? A speaker said that a man is responsible for his wife and having a credit card haram with... Uh, it says he peed on the black stone. Uh, he he may have i don't know about whether the karamita but i find them fascinating see i find it just fascinating as an observation as a case study like i'm not insecure like so what if they had different things i i don't want to i'm not interested in the in the bad things they did but i want to see how the projects they undertook as muslims i mean they were still muslims i mean you know i i personally am not for a communist state at all but i am intrigued that wow muslims actually set up a communist state well i wonder how that went you know how it worked and things like that so um right so somebody said about his wife wearing hijab is he sinful <laughs> no yeah relax man this you know this day and age i will do a detailed thing on hijab not this week i'll do it another week but there is a difference of opinion you know this covering the hair thing and hijab it's not you see from the quran and sunnah it's not even proven like conclusively it isn't so people need to ease up a bit when something isn't clearly proved the only thing clear in the quran is about modesty about covering the bosom and you know women covering their breasts and things like that's really the what seems to be the only thing clear in the quran the other things one could say well i deduce this and you know this inferential data <laughs> inferential <laughs> rather you know the other day i was sitting uh with my daughter Layla, who's now eight and, and she was i had to test her on one of these school books and she said something and i said to her well uh you know oh wait what does it say in the book because she said something and uh she told me something about the character and i said oh does it say that in the book and she said no she said i'm she said i'm i'm saying this by inference <laughs> she said i'm making inferences i was like wow inference that's such inference 
eight years old. Wow, the word. I was like, I'm sure I only learned that word like five years ago. <laughs> So, but no, I don't believe that. Look, I, there's nothing in the Quran or Sunnah that mandates women cover their hair. I accept that Muslim culture does state that uh, generally the culture about 200 years after the Prophet seems to have standardized with the view. I accept that. But, you know, I am in line with many of those ulama who argue, like Javed Ramadi Saab and other people, that covering the hair is not... I mean, if women do it, that's good. You know, that's the, you know, it's admirable and respectable. But I don't believe it's clearly mandated in the Quran or the Sunnah. But I'll cover that at a... Um, at another uh, in detail in another session. Because I think for that we need certain books and evidences and... <laughs> <laughs> you know, people don't accept. They say, I have to show people that I can actually read. <laughs> uh, right, somebody said that where does uh, Abu Ja'far al-Dawudi mention that the, uh, the caliphate is not an obligation? He mentions it. It's referenced in several books, including uh, uh, Ibn Hajar's Fath al-Bari. If you go to the hadith on the Saqifa, when the companions are, are arguing about uh, and disputing over how who should succeed after the Prophet. And so it's known as the famous incident of uh, the Saqifa. Now, in, that, in the commentary of that hadith, uh, Ibn Hajar will highlight it as well. If I believe it's in the commentary, he highlights it in that. But if he doesn't, but he definitely, Ibn Hajar does bring it as well. Because he mentions that this is the hadith that Dawoodi has used to prove, uh, to argue for it just being a sunnah. Right, okay. So, right, the, okay, coming to Ayub's question, who's posted it so many times now about uh, Dajjal. Look. The Dajjal is not a, a, a person. Now, there are many hadiths to do with the Dajjal. If you watch my prelude to why there is no second coming, um, it's on YouTube. So in that, although I'm primarily speaking about the second coming of Jesus, but I also discuss this Antichrist uh, business. It seems to be, it seems to be this this is the the thing i think that it seems to be that the antichrist is something that muslims adopted to justify the second coming um because the second coming makes in fact it, it doesn't still it still doesn't make any sense in islamic sources why there is an alleged second coming of jesus because what is he coming for? You know, alayhi salam. What is Jesus coming to do? It, I mean, it makes clear sense why the Christians want, uh, you know, argue that he's coming. But why are Muslims saying that he's coming? I mean, what, what is he going to do? So, because the hadith seem to all say he's going to come and rule like a king, which is exactly what the Christians say. <laughs> and from a Muslim perspective, that makes zero sense. Like, what the hell? A prophet's going to come and become the king. This is, and he's going to rule over the world. Like, that doesn't make any sense at all. Because, so, it's like Muslims to justify that 
kind of really um, bulked up this argument of the Antichrist. That's what it feels like. Um, the Antichrist culture did exist with the Christians anyway, and they kind of inherited it from them. So there are several ahadith um, speaking about the Antichrist. The thing is that you see the Antichrist, the word is simply Dajjal. Now in some it's Masih al-Dajjal. Now the thing, Masih al-Dajjal would be seen as the imposter messiah. But Dajjal on its own simply means the deceiver. Now some of those, many of those ahadith are simply just falsely adopted by Muslims and just mass circulated as part of the propaganda. They came from Jewish and Christian sources and they were spread, a lot of them through Abu Huraira and things like this. We have to just be honest with the evidence, this is what it was. And some of them, they, the word the the word Dajjal, now it, it's a legitimate term, but it simply means the, the, an imposter was referring to the devil in certain narrations, who is who's being called the Dajjal, the deceiver, the one who deceives. So, in, so these narrations were also then used because of the word to support the Masih Dajjal narrations. To say, well, oh, look, here the Prophet said Dajjal. Now, that's one thing. The other thing is the Dajjal, like this hadith that the Prophet said, look, oh, people, no Prophet came except he warned his Ummah of the fitna of the Dajjal, of the great deception. Now, people said here, this great deception is the Antichrist. Why? Because they've got the narrative already. But imagine you didn't have the narrative. What would this be talking about? It would be talking about a particular time would come when there's a great mass deception. And I've argued that that would be, in my interpretation, referring to a time that we are probably embarking upon where the virtual and the real become indistinguishable. So it's not, it's a phenomenon, not a person. But because people bought into the Antichrist narrative, then every place they found the word Dajjal, they f made it fit this Antichrist narrative. So that's part of the problem, you see. So, yeah, because if you say this, no prophet came except he warned his people of the Dajjal, the fake Messiah, oh my God, oh my God, this Dajjal is so out of it, man. <laughs> it's so crazy, it's so wild, it's so nobody can stand in front of this Dajjal, nobody. And then you read the hadith that the Mus that is are circulated in Muslim traditions, like in Sahih Muslim, that when Jesus does come, how does he deal with the Dajjal? Oh, he just turns up and the Dajjal just melts. <laughs> Well, that's hardly a greatest fitna, was it? That's hardly like, oh my God, oh my God. That was such an anticlimax. It's just like, here comes Jesus and the Messiah just, I'm mm. oh, sorry, the fake Messiah just mm, melts. It says, Yadubuk, uh, you know, that he'll just melt like salt in water. Mm. 
<laughs> so that was it. So that was what everybody was. So let me get this right. Jesus and everybody was warning about this. <laughs> Hardly. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. This one. This. So. Yeah. So that's coming back to the point that that's what. So there is no. Fortunately, guys, it's good news. There is no antichrist as a person, but a deception being the devil or being a a phenomenon. Sure, I mean these things hold you know hold ground. If you have a micro peanut. <laughs> Is this a legitimate question and you can't please your wife through vagina? Does anal become halal for you? <laughs> People, I don't make up these questions. See, <laughs> is that Hannah account a, a troll account? <laughs> I'm thinking because the question makes zero sense that if <laughs> you can't please through that, but you've got a micro penis, micro penis. It's not a laughing matter, people. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Be serious. This is actually a matter of great proportions. <laughs> no. People, come on. Come on, people. Rise above it. I thought you have to be you have to be bigger and better than that people. <laughs> no, okay, 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 stop, stop, stop. Too much, this one too much. Right, so anybody that's afflicted with these conditions, may Allah make things easy for them. I mean, this is uh, it would be a very difficult testing time for our brothers in humanity who are suffering from things like this. <laughs> Okay, behave. <coughs> so, okay. But yes, I mean, a person, if the question is, if it was a legitimate question, and yes, you can please by any means available, any means necessary to help the other partner in, in need. It's somebody actually once did ask me that they told me that you can get, uh, that for people there isn't a it's not an operation I, th I think it's just an apparatus <laughs> I think it's it's like a like a sleeve they put on so they were asking that would that be permissible so if they put on it's it's like an artificial penis sleeve it's like a prosthetic like a prosthetic that's it so it is a prosthetic actually so i suppose the way you know some people they have a kind of like a, a they don't have a hand a stump and they put on a prosthetic hand or a prosthetic leg so they put on a prosthetic uh, penis and so they were he <laughs> the person was asking would that be permissible because it's uh and it was an actual case it was the actual person you know it wasn't and it's it's actually a you know you do f f feel that oh my god <laughs> and it was an unfortunate situation for the person because it wasn't something the person was always like but i think there was some 
medic accident or there was something and then it ended up anyway but the answer is yes it is permissible islamically it's not that it's not permissible it is permissible of course uh, but obviously it's because another question would be that I think the person was just about if I remember the question the person because I think it's probably been about at least one and a half year or something I think or maybe two years since I was asked that question but I just remember it because it was such a, <laughs> a strange question so the person was about to get married and so see, see so it's an interesting kind of discussion that is this something you would say that you know by the way <laughs> On the note, on the on the discourse of does size actually matter? <laughs> no, but it's a. Uh, I don't know how because I I don't have the answer to that. I don't know. Like, is this something? Because on one hand, the the woman would have an absolute right to know these things. On the other hand. <laughs> on the other hand there's nothing in the hand that's the <laughs> that is the problem <laughs> so I don't, I don't know how they would have that discussion I don't know hmm but I mean is it and deceit but you see mislead you don't want to mislead either that's something that wouldn't be right either that would be wrong um, so I don't know this is you know these are some of those you know it's like some of the great imams in the past used to say that there's been it's been 13 years and I'm still thinking of a particular mas'ala and I don't know the answer <laughs> so I guess I can put myself in that list of scholars that has said things like that that you know it's been years and I still ponder over a particular mas'ala and the answer yet still fails me <laughs> But anyway, I'll leave that to you people. So, <clears throat> somebody said the best way is to say, I drive a Mercedes, I have a 100k job, but my ghoulies are plastic. <laughs> or I suppose that could be a good way of saying it, is that <laughs> I hope you accept plastic. <laughs> I hope plastic is not a problem. I mean, not just the credit card. <laughs> uh, right, so... Do we claim Eastern Orthodox Christians as doing shirk? No, no, we don't, we don't. I mean, we don't. See, Christians, it's not that they... Yeah, I suppose from an angle, it's shirki. It's like paganistic from an angle. But they're not pagans like pagans, pagans in that sense. Okay. I think let's come to this question of who is Uzair in the Quran. People, Uzair in the so I'd been I'd been asked this a while back, and I did uh, think about it, and I think in the past my research was simply the usual kind of oh uh, what I read in several tafasir about it being Ezra in the Jewish tradition, and this is how I'd answered. But right, let's revisit this, people, because. Uzair, in the Quran, we have, un momento, oh, 
we have people peoples peoples if we go to now right so now in surah to toba verse 30 allah mentions waqalat al-yahudu waqalat al-yahudu uzairun ibn allah now some people did read it as uzair ibn allah but in the general riwayah uzairun ibn allah that uzair the jewish the jews said that Uzair is the son of God. وَقَالَتِ النَّصَارَ الْمَسِيحُ بْنَ اللَّهِ ذَلِكَ قَوْلُهُمْ And the Christians said that Jesus is the son of God. ذَلِكَ قَوْلُهُمْ بِأَفْوَاهِهِمْ That is the, what they say with their mouths. That is a statement that they have brought forward. Allah mentions here, يُضَاهِئُونَ قَوْلَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْ قَبْلِ That they simply resemble or reiterate the words of those who went before them. You know, may God destroy them. Like, you know, God damn them, in other words, for what they're saying. Now, this thing, you know, who was Uzair? The popular script that you've had from people is that Uzair was Ezra. Now, Ezra is a Jewish scribe uh, he's seen by several Muslims as being, um, sorry, and Jewish people, by some, several as a great figure, huge positivity, and by others as a negative figure. So he is somebody who once the Jews were, the Israelites were uh, taken captive in Babylon, um, much of their scripture is destroyed. So they lose a lot of their scripture. Um, now it is pieced together again and restructured, uh, rewritten a lot of it by Ezra the scribe. So some people feel that in doing so, he fabricated a lot of things or he authored them himself. So a lot of the Torah today may be from Ezra. And hence, by doing so, in a way, he, those Jews who accepted what he said, um, kind of took him to be divine. This is what a lot of Mufassirin said in the past, commentators on the Quran. Why? Because, you see, they didn't know who this verse is referring to. This verse, that qalat al-Yahudu Uzairun ibn Allah. Uzair is, is the son of God. So they're thinking, well, who's Uzair? Who, who is this person? Some people thought he's an Arab because the name sounds Arabic. This interpretation of it being Ezra doesn't really fit the bill. I mean, you can, you can do a false fit on saying, well, you know, this is because, because by except, like I mentioned, by accepting his rendition of the Torah, you've given him godlike status theoretically and etc. etc. The Jews are saying that, but we've never called him the son of God. Why do you say, and, and Allah is not saying some Jews, because some Mufassirin in the past mentioned, some ulama, like Ibn Hazm, for example, he mentions that, oh, some Jews in Yemen believed Ezra to be the son of God. Now, 
I'm not sure that that narrate that claim hasn't been proven. So although Ibn Hazm makes the claim, but people haven't managed to prove it really that who were these Jewish people in Yemen that made that claim, the Jews by and large say that we've never claimed Ezra to be the son of God. So this is a mistake in the Quran if you're claiming that. And the other thing is Allah's not saying waqala ba'dul yahud or waqala, you know, ba'dul nasi min al-yahud. Allah is saying waqalat al-yahud that the Jews are saying this. So the Jewish people as a group, so it could be the early Jews when they were smaller in number, but they were the whole collective, or it could be in the time of the Prophet. But neither have clearly ever said in their documents that Ezra is the son of God. Now, I recently revisited this and I came across some videos that initially sparked my interest and then I started reading up on it and I read several things online and it appears, people, that it is not Ezra, Uzair, Waqalat al-Yahudu, Uzairun ibn Allah, that Uzair is the son of God. Uzair is Osiris, the Egyptian Egyptian the Egyptian god from Egyptian mythology. Now I wanted to share this with you and go through the detail. Now at first it may sound bizarre that why is Uzair Osiris? Now Osiris is the Greek rendition of his name. And then, you know, later on, Romanized and the whole thing. But his name, so in the Bible, he's mentioned as Osir. Now, generally, in Arabic, he is, they do write the Greek version as well, Osiris, like that. But they write Osir. Osir is uh, how they write Osiris. Now, who is Osiris, first of all? Osiris is the first pharaoh. He's the, he's the child of the sun god, the great sun god Ra. So you have the great sun god and then he has these children. Um, now people feel that Ra ended up becoming too Ra. <laughs> he became like, he wasn't really too interested in people and so on and so forth. Just to give you a, a a brief backdrop I'm going to come back to the points but who is just to introduce you to Osiris so from the children so uh, that Ra has I mean there's uh, four particular siblings uh, two girls two boys and you have Osiris Seth Set sorry and uh, Isis who's the sister of Osiris who marries Osiris and they later on give birth to Horus, who is another famous Egyptian uh, god. But what's special about Osiris is he is the one who deposes Ra. So they get rid of the sun god Ra and he becomes the first ruler on earth. He is seen as the god of life, the god of death. He is seen as the god of the underworld, the god of agriculture. It was through him that the Nile would flow that you see for for the egyptians nile the river nile meant life okay so for osiris he was one of the he is seen as one of the greatest figureheads in egyptian mythology 
somebody that he is the one who has put order in place in the world from chaos he put structure in there he is seen as the god of compassion they kind of rahim and remember he's not seen as god god but a figure god as in a person who is like this a bit like hindu mythology in that sense the way you'll see ram and you'll see these characters so like that now what happens with him is he is uh killed out of kind of jealousy by his brother set uh he is then brought back to life by Osi uh, by isis his wife who's also his sister <laughs> interesting kind of relationship going on there but uh and in some narrations that set uh, set what he does is he when he kills him he cuts his body he kind of dismembers it into so many pieces and spreads spreads it out over egypt so isis has to go about finding all these pieces she brings him together and then mummifies him and he was the first person to be mummified in Egyptian history he is the first pharaoh by the way so that was his title whilst he was living the first pharaoh now once you have this backdrop to why who Osiris is and he has by the way those of you that have seen um, the the kind of uh, there's a pine cone staff the stick uh, that is actually a symbol of um, of Osiris now you have to remember something growing up in this culture because this is where the Israelites grew up especially in the time of Moses this is where Moses grew up Osiris was this figure and remember he's not seen as ultimate God he's seen as a person the way like in Hindu mythology you're gonna see Ram Ram is even though he's seen as God but he's seen as a man Ram and Sita and him going to rescue Sita and he's a hero Ram is now in a similar way Osiris is a hero who kind of deposes uh, Ra and he kind of sets things up for mankind and he does all these great things for mankind now these people you see the Jewish people in early the in the time of Moses they would have been heavily influenced with the figurehead with this personality of Osiris just as all Christians were now you see and an example of this is I'd like to take our attention to a verse in um, Surah Al-A'raf you've got um, uh -huh. Right, so oh, right here it is. So, verse one thirty-eight, where Allah says, "Wajah was not see once Moses the Exodus." Now look at this verse. Wajah was nabi bani Israel al bahar. So Allah says, "We traversed, we took them across the sea." the Israelites so they came across a people who were worshipping some idols this is who this is the Jews because at that time the Israelites were the Jews okay 
So they had these idols. So they cried out to Moses. Why do you make a figurehead of a God for us the way they've got these gods? He said that indeed you are a people so deep in your ignorance. That you see, this was the Israelites as they were emerging from Egypt. They had a huge baggage, a huge culture. The Quran is quoting that there. You see, they would have seen, even though God is obviously God and they're accepting Moses, but they would have seen Usair, or in Arabic, Uzair, as, as a divine figurehead, like a semi, the way people in India, for example, imagine they embrace Islam, but they would still have a reverence for like Ram. Sri Ram, they would think that, you know, oh, Sri Ram was an amazing person and he had divine, like a kind of a divinity, not in the way you might think of God, but a kind of divinity to him, that he was the chosen or he was a son of God, one might say, especially in their time, uh, in their language. So hence, وَقَالَتِ الْيَهُودُ أُزَيْرٌ إِبْنَ So the early Jews had said that about Osiris and speaking on how much this culture of Osiris was embedded in Egyptian uh, surroundings and e Egyptian understanding is I speaking of the staff thing this the stick I want to take our attention to and I know many people may disagree with me on this interpretation yeah but I want to take our attention to Surah Taha yeah so you've got um, verse 17 yeah Allah addresses Moses and he says what is that that you hold in your right hand <laughs> you see now this verse is incredibly interesting why because what does Musa salam respond with you see he says he said that this is my staff, my stick, that that I, you know, I lean on it, and and I use it when I'm, you know, seeing to my, attending to my flock of sheep. I will kind of use this stick, and uh, and he says, and I have other needs with this stick as well. Why do you think that, you see, the general understanding is that Moses, why did he have this staff? Oh, because he was a shepherd. Fair enough. I actually think part of this stick thing was the culture in which Moses grew up with the pharaohs. See, the pharaohs, this stick, and especially the pine cone staff, was symbolic of Osiris that Osiris, this thing, this is that, that this is what he had. And hence the pharaohs all had it, this kind of staff. And Moses, alayhi salam, grew up in that culture, that this was the, the power thing, this was the slick thing, this was the awesome thing to do, to have a kind of a stick like that. And in some ways, I feel that that's what Allah uh, kind of, 
just highlights not to criticize but to show that look that kind of connection and in these verses i feel moses recognizes that and hence he doesn't answer it like that he says because allah says and what is that by the way in your right hand he says it's my stick he could just stop there he goes on to justify why he has it <laughs> you know i lean on it uh, i i tend to my flock with it you know and i've got other needs in it as well <laughs> you know drop it and and then it appears to move now you see to me this verse demonstrates one the the kind of culture of the of the pharaohs in which moses grew up and it also shows on other uh coming back to a question we we're looking at earlier on that there is no harm in having certain aspects of a culture so long as you don't really see that even if they were paganistic but you don't see or affiliate to that paganism there's nothing wrong with that and to me this verse about Musa is speaking about that so um, that you see with this in mind it makes perfect sense that Yahud is the early Israelites and you can see when they leave Egypt in the Quran them saying to uh, Moses you know they see these people worshipping statues they still have that sentiment it's still very fresh and Osiris would have been a very powerful figure so for the early Jews to think that he was a kind of he had an element of divinity to him just in the way that some if an, a hindu was to convert to islam but would still maybe hold that kind of position for ram it's that makes a lot more sense to me that in this verse of the quran uzair is osiris so i wanted to share that with you guys because a few people had asked me and although i had initially mentioned the israel thing i was not too content with it myself uh, i felt they didn't really fit nicely that it was kind of like a forced fit and uh, this actually seems to make a lot of sense so i hope that's of some help people cool let's move on to some other questions all right wilma all right how's it going all right so cool right now right what else are we to look at anything else whoa it's getting late folks it's getting late let me just see how how long have we been i'm just looking at the recording <laughs> whoa it's gone on for quite some while i did want to highlight this um you know this this bill in india there has been it's called a citizens amendment uh, bill about cab that you've got a lot of immigrants who are like kind of refugees but may have settled down over years and decades even in india but they don't may not have full citizenship so this bill was passed to say that we will grant that to all people who are eligible except muslims <laughs> i mean 
Wow, that is so shockingly disappointing to hear such discrimination from a government a, of what claims to be the world's largest democracy, which is India. Um, so I think that that's, uh, it's really sad to see that. I, I did actually bring up here, I don't know if it will um play let's see we can try and i did have on momento people on momento let's see if on that note i had a, a person uh bringing oh no 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 I did have that poem I want to, I thought it's worth sharing if I can bring it up right now so you guys can let's see this okay let's okay this people and see if that works nope it doesn't but I thought I'd share that if it, it was the similar thing which I'd said earlier on but the guy had commented I thought it looked really slick but unfortunately <laughs> it's no <laughs> it's possible right so okay so let's leave that for now but i'm really disappointed at this whole um honestly i'm really disappointed at this whole thing uh, uh how india you know the kind of clear hatred the targeting of muslims uh, it's shocking what modi is doing honestly he's destroying what is a an amazing country and he's he's kind of spread so much hatred against Muslims. This thing of it's it's a shame. May Allah make things easy for people. There, I, I I heard today there was there was some kind of attacks on two. Uh, I think it was like led by a, some agency, some government agency, who kind of went into uh, Aligarh University, Muslim University, two Muslim universities. The other is Jamia Millia in Delhi. And they, uh, you know, they just went through kind of like um, grabbing certain people, arresting them, harassing them. And I believe most, uh, many of them being just girls, women. So that was really uh, sad to see, actually. So, I mean, regardless, men or women, but it was really sad to see that they are doing this kind of stuff. So, yes, yeah, salam. May Allah make things easy. That's all. I, I, you know, it's unfortunate. I, I'm at a loss for words. Really, you, you don't know what to say. It's that, it's that sad. Right. Moving on. Let's take some rapid round questions, people. Then we wrap this up here. So somebody had asked about marrying uh, agnostic, uh, marrying a person who's agnostic. So like an agnostic Muslim. You see, I would say, look, stop. We don't need to overcomplicate things. Most people, to some extent, are agnostic. Most people. I don't think, you know, the, the fact that agnostic means a kind of like an uncertainty. You're not really sure. Is there a God? Isn't there a God? Most people will probably be like that if you start pressing them. So I would say, look, if a person says a Shahada, if they say they're Muslim, khalas. That, that's it you don't need to really uh probe you don't need to if they have doubts fine you know who doesn't have doubts there is room for doubts 
Okay, plenty of room for doubts. You know, in fact, there's a hadith, نَحْنُ أَوْلَى بِالشَّكْ مِنْ Ibrahim, That the Prophet said, we are more deserving of having doubts than Abraham. Um, so, I wouldn't really uh, kind of start judging people like that or start expecting, demanding kind of like certainty of faith and things like that. So I would say, Nikah, if a person says they're Muslim, they're Muslim. Khalas. You know, and you just leave it at that. I was asked a question um, by Hifza about secular knowledge and Islamic knowledge. So, so what she mentioned was that several people who seem to say to university students, especially in uh, places like Pakistan and maybe India, but Pakistan especially, that, oh, you guys are studying sciences or medicine or engineering or whatever it is, uh, that's you know, a deprived, that's a worldly, dunyawi kind of knowledge. You're not studying anything sacred, sacred knowledge, like which is the deen. So they say to them that you're wasting your lives and, and really you ought to be studying as hard the deen. What are my thoughts on this? Look, that is not true. Um, the deen, first of all, there's no, all knowledge is knowledge. Okay, but yes, it is true by studying the Quran, by studying Hadith, this is a specialism and an expertise for people who wish to gain an expert level of understanding about the deen. Not everybody is, first of all, everybody's not required to become an expert on the deen. That you don't need to feel guilty that why are you studying sociology or psychology, you know, trying to uh, guilt trip others. Ha ha ha, I've studied the deen, why haven't you studied the <laughs> you know what what how childish can you be? Seriously. How child that just goes to show the insecurity. You know like how Jung spoke of the shadow and the whole thing. It just goes to show the insecurity you have. That oh oh why are you studying uh, you studying physics uh, I studied tafsir <laughs> It just shows that you're actually insecure that you haven't studied those sciences so you're trying to make the other person feel guilty because you know the other person won't be rude in replying back to you you see because they're, they're going to honor the religion i think that is so petty it is so insecure and it is wrong on every level all knowledge is in islam called ulum there was in Islam, we don't have any, you don't have in the Arabic books, for example, Ulum al Muqaddasa, the sacred knowledges. You don't have that. Where, where is it in our books? Show me in our Usul Fiqh or in any of where they speak of Ulum al Muqaddasa. This word does not exist, Ulum al Muqaddasa, sacred sciences. In English, we use this. In Arabic, they had Manqulat wal Ma'qulat. Okay, they had manqulat, those things which were transmitted, like the Quran, Hadith, and, and then ma'qulat, logic, philosophy, things which were based on reason and sciences, like geometry and all these things, medicine, and they initially would have uh, would have been a part of that. Science was a part of that, and then obviously these branches all separated and became sciences within themselves. Look main point is wherever your passion is learn about it sure by all means if you're interested in islam learn about it it's amazing but if you're not you don't need to guilt trip people that was simply 
uh, my point on that. I, uh, I want to say a quick word on... Uh, I want to say a quick word on Hadith dogmatism. You know, there was a clip, I watched a clip. Um, there's uh, It's on YouTube. It was Say Sayyid Ali, um, a Shia brother who I've met in the past. So it was him having a discussion with Adnan Ibrahim, and the and the clip was titled about Muslims and Bukhari, and that it's a hundred percent. So Adnan Ibrahim, it was a very respectful uh, conversation, dialogue. So I, for that, kind of commend both uh, Sayyid Ali, Adnan Rashid. I think they had a very civil dialogue which is really first of all civility is really needed and they it was a good dialogue. it's only i think probably about 10 minutes or 15 minutes or something it's a short clip but they speak about sayyid ali's asking him about uh you know what is you how do you feel about hadith and what is your do you feel that everything in bukhari is sahih and do you feel everything and the answers the only reason i'm i'm uh, adding to this is because not big because of you know Adnan Ibrahim trying to refute him I mean his position can be whatever his position is but uh, if people watch this so that they're not misled okay it is it, it is clearly anybody you know if you've studied hadith in depth it is absurd to claim that all hadith in Bukhari and Muslim are sahih that means they are authentic as in we accept them because the truth is we don't that is utterly unacceptable and i did take out one or two examples very quickly i didn't have much time but i took out one or two examples um in so for example this in sahih muslim hadith uh, you've got 2000 uh, 2501 in this particular edition fadail abis Fadail uh, of Abu Sufyan. Now, Abu Sufyan is the father of Muawiyah, radiallahu, an, uh, radiallahu anhumah. Now, the interesting thing is this hadith, which is transmitted in Sahih Muslim, um, it's it's towards the end, by the way, in the final chapters, it'll be under Fadail al-Sahaba. Now, Ibn Abbas transmits it that, قَالَ كَانَ الْمُسْلِمُونَ لَا يَنْظُرُونَ إِلَىٰ أَبِي سُفْيَانَ وَلَا يُقَعِدُونَهُ فَقَالَ لِلنَّبِي يَا نَبِيَ اللَّهِ ثَلَاثٌ أَعْطِنِيهِنْ that he says that the Muslims did not used to sit with Abu Sufyan because of his previous hostility to Muslims. So he becomes Muslim after Fath Makkah, after the conquest of Makkah. So uh, he said to the Prophet, Ya Nabi Allah, give me three things. Qala na'am. The Prophet said, okay. Qala indi ahsanul Arab wa ajmalu. He said, I have with, I have, as in my daughter he's speaking about, who is the most prettiest and most beautiful of the Arabs. Um, Umm Habiba, Uzawijukaha. So he's saying to the Prophet, Uzawijukaha, that I will marry you to her. So, Qala Naam. And then he said, Oh, and make Muawiyah an assistant and so on and so forth. This hadith is clearly fabricated. Okay, it's a false hadith. Uh, the Prophet had already married Umm Habiba many years before that. Umm Habiba was already a wife of the Prophet way before Fatah Makkah, way before the conquest of Makkah, years before. So for Abu Sufyan, after the conquest of Makkah, maybe months or whatever, or a year after, or whatever it is, to say to the Prophet, you know, hey, I, why, why, you know, I'd like to offer my daughter in marriage to you, is is factually one hundred percent false. 
So that's a clear example of uh, one hadith that to show you, I'm just giving a quick example. Like this was, um, this is another quick example. This is known as the Hadith al-Turba. Um, now in, uh, this is in Sahih Muslim, Hadith 2789. Uh, and it's called the beginning of creation. Now it's from Abu Huraira that قَالَ أَخَذَ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ That the Prophet took my hand and he said قَالَ خَلَقَ اللَّهُ عَزَّ وَجَلَّ تُرْبَةَ يَوْمَ السَّبْتِ that he created the soil on Saturday, Yom Sabt. And then he goes on to mention how Allah created the world in seven days. This hadith is fabricated. It's clearly from the Christian sources. Let alone even Imam Bukhari said that hadith was not Sahih. <laughs> Even Imam Bukhari, Imam Bukhari's teacher Ali ibn Madini said that hadith was not sahih. You know, Bayhaqi said the hadith was not sahih. Yahya ibn Ma'in said the hadith was not sahih. Even Ibn Taymiyyah, like my point is that this even Imam Bukhari is saying that he actually mentions that Abu Huraira, I know uh, he says that Abu Huraira took that hadith from Ka'bul Ahbar took it from the Jewish scribe and then it was wrongly presented as the Prophet saying it. So look, even the muhaddithin amongst themselves will not accept, like even Bukhari won't accept Muslim. So to say everything in these books is Sahih is false. And you can watch my Bukhari gate where I go through, it's on YouTube, where I go through many examples of false hadith which insult Islam are in Bukhari and they're utterly unacceptable and they fabricated many are not all not all most of Bukhari is fine but there are there are still many things in Bukhari which are problematic let alone the other hadith in Sahih Muslim where the Prophet sent uh, Ali radiallahu an to kill someone for adultery because the Prophet got jealous I mean, what kind of nonsense hadith is that? Only to find that the person is castrated, doesn't even have a penis. Uh, I mean, th this is the kind of absurdity. That hadith is in Sahih Muslim. The Prophet sent Ali, and when Ali got there, he was in a kind of like a bathtub. The person was not Ali, the, the other person. So when Ali got there with the sword, this is in Sahih Muslim, the person saw the sword and jumped up. And obviously he was naked. So as he jumped up, it said he was majboob. You know, the guy didn't have a penis. His penis was cut off. He was castrated. And then Ali thinks, oh, uh, okay, well, you can't be having an affair. You, you know, you don't even have a penis. So he goes back and tells the prophet and the prophet just says, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, what kind of blasphemy is that? That's absurd. Ridiculous. I don't care what spin you want to give that. Our loyalty is always with the prophet, not with the authors of these books. They were great people, did a great job. But it's, it's not divine. So that's just a quick message I want to say. People, uh, right, okay. Right, so somebody said about, sorry, let me just get this over here. Somebody says, painful watching Shias take digs at Sahaba. It is, I agree that, and, and I hope, I hope, I envisage a future where we can have harmony inshallah where we can coexist where people can have their own opinions but you know we can have respect and to be honest with you i have personally i can't say i don't know about other people's experience i can only speak about my own experience a lot of the people from bayatul ghadir that i have uh, that's the uh, the shia kind of channel that i have 
personally spoken with, engaged with, interacted with, like Sayyid Ali, Sayyid Raza, um, my interaction with them has been, they've been very respectful. We've clearly disagree um, on Sunni, you know, the Shia, but it's been still a very pleasant, very friendly. In fact, I would say that I consider them to be good friends. I would consider that, you know, we, we will kind of chat on WhatsApp time to time, stuff like this. So I think this can be done. We need to move beyond the sectarian kind of mindset. We can still have our differences. That's fine. I mean, but we don't need to be hateful. That's the, the thing. So I hope that makes sense. Guys, any other, was there anything else? Any other questions? Oh, <laughs> you know, for, for questions, people, you know, people get asked questions, yeah. So these are the kind of questions I get asked. I mean, it just, it just, <laughs> it just isn't fair, people. You know, like people get asked all these questions I get asked, <laughs> Mufti Saab, hope you're well. People that masturbate in the shower and then do ghusl whilst in the shower, does that ghusl count or not? <laughs> is this, I mean, <laughs> why is my gaydar kind of going off here? Like, I mean, is this... <laughs> You see, it's not fair. This this is the kind of stuff, this is how I get stalked people with this kind. Is this the kind of stuff that women go through, I guess? <laughs> They're probably getting all these kind of like dumb, <laughs> similarly dumb kind of remarks. God, I think to myself, <laughs> like, uh, okay. <laughs> you think, I know, let's ask this guy a question on Islam. I think, yeah, yeah, you know, there's a... Uh, there's a lot of difficult things, you know, how do we reconcile, I don't know, evolution, how do we speak about this, what about this verse of the Quran, what about this or this? Oh, yeah, 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 but I want to ask, you know, when you masturbate in the shower, is that the same as the... <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you see, so this, people, now you, now you can see my struggle people you see what I have to put up with whilst everybody else <laughs> I get these kind of people I get this kind of gay stalking going on <laughs> why can't I have women sending me these kind of questions <laughs> I get men <laughs> these guys this is what <laughs> oh, the difficulty goes on the challenge goes on people with that I'm gonna wrap this up it's been awesome as always guys You've been great. Shukran for hanging in there. Right, take very good care of yourselves. Till next week, inshallah. We'll catch up then. Have a blessed, amazing week. Always remember, people, whatever negativity is surrounding you or going on, try and stay positive. Watch something occasionally funny if you can. There's a lot of things going on. Watch some key and peel. <laughs> Whenever I watch that, it has me in stitches. But whatever you do, stay smiling, stay blessed. Much love. Over and out, people. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.